Each Sunday night, I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your hosts, Keith Barney. It's very confusing. My mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo. What could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. This will be my sleepiest podcast of all time. Sleep is for the week. Out of practice. And welcome to the Out of Practice Podcast, a weekly podcast in which we detail David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. This week we are up to season four, episode 18, entitled Death Penalties Plural. This is Out of Practice Podcast. Episode number 79. How's it going, Degs? It's never been more evident that we are living in our own personal time loop. Every day is the same. Stressful for no reason and for all of the reasons. And uh, that's about that. Keith, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Why are you yes. so sleepy? Oh, I I have to admit, I have the whitest problems in history. I, okay. I, I laugh at myself. Because I realized I last night, a couple of things happened. Uh, obviously, as I've mentioned before, uh, my wife and I are planning to purchase a home, moving out of the city. I mean, look, not out of the city, just across the river into New Jersey. And so, at about one o'clock last uh, last night, I'm like, "Oh God, can we do this? Are we really going to spend all this money on a house? I'm so scared." Like, I'm 40 years old. I can handle this. And then. So I so I, I get to bed super late because I'm not sleeping that well. And then I wake up at about 6.30 and I head into the kitchen. And surprise, there's Jillian with an Amazon Fresh order. <laughs> she is unpacking. I didn't even notice she was gone. Uh, uh, unpacking an Amazon Fresh order that instead of, or, instead of showing up before 7 p.m., decided to show up before 7 a.m., and so, of course, that, like, messed up everything, so I couldn't sleep again all in the morning, so I decided to, instead of sleep, uh, watch The Patriot on Hulu for reasons. Uh, so I realized that I couldn't sleep at all last night for literally the most privileged white reasons I've ever heard of in my entire life. My Amazon Fresh order showed up too early. That I, is... I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed for myself. <laughs> I'm embarrassed for... Everyone. <laughs> Do you remember the old days when, when you had insomnia, you had to just lay there and hope to God to fall asleep? But now we have so many diversions. Uh, the Patriot. <laughs> I'm watching an old Mel Gibson movie of all things at like six yeah, o'clock see, in the, the morning. That's where your story really took a turn for me. In fact, uh, Braveheart was on the other day. And, you know, there are, oh man, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but there are a lot of artists who have been canceled or who have turned out to be just horrific people whose 
right. art I still kind of appreciate. Mel Gibson's sure, a challenge sure. for me, though. I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe just because he just seems so douchey anyway. Because he's a monster, an anti-Semitic, misogynistic monster? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of monsters, Keith. Doesn't mean they're not funny. Uh, yeah. No, myself and included. I, yeah, it was... Uh, Oh, I also like, of course, because I'm watching a movie, I, I go down the IMDb rabbit hole and like that cast is <laughs> did not fare that well in the in the long run. So yikes. I'll say that the other night, well, then we'll jump into the show. The other night uh, I also was having it wasn't so much insomnia as that I just go to bed really late and and Quantum Leap was on and it was a great episode. And I don't felt- do it. I felt like you I was betraying. You made a deal with Phoenix. You made a your... deal with Phoenix. In some, I, in some weird, like oath of listenership, I, I, for that very reason, I was like, I can't do this. I cannot, I cannot do this no. to my promise. So I did not you... watch it. I changed the channel, and uh, that's that. Good for you. Good for you. you. We haven't. We've made an oath to our audience, that you will not watch Quantum Leap mm-hmm. until we do our podcast in nine years, if the world still exists. Uh, so look out. Whew. All right. So we have lots. And and you guys found your place, right? You're moving out to, to Philadelphia. Yeah, we're moving outside of Philly, uh, closer to my family for uh, a trial run at... Uh, getting out of New York, so that Suburbia. won't happen until October. So, you know, that's exciting. That, that you know, of course, we're now we're freaking out. Like, did we make the right call? And and today we vacuumed, so we're like, oh, I really our our apartment's very cozy now that we vacuumed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so are you? Do you guys vacuum frequently? I am a mad vacuumer. I am a weird person who enjoys vacuuming. It's sort of like mowing, where I can like see the the effort. So it makes me feel happy. It, it helps my OCD. Yeah, we we vacuum quite a bit. We have two cats, so it's it's a right. an exercise in futility. But we, you know, we try to do it. Yeah. Wow, this is a fascinating podcast. Let's go ahead Woo. and hear what our listeners have had to say. <laughs> yeah, boy. You know, uh, before we do our how often do you uh, vacuum <laughs> segment, we'll do filings uh, and subpoenas. I'd like to point out, I literally just got out of the shower, which is why I look like a, a, a drowned rat. Uh, I want to point out, Jen and I had a giggle about this. You know, we often, not often, on occasion, we do drinking games here on the Out of Practice podcast when one of our we cast do. members does says something crazy. Or, not crazy, you know what I'm saying. Anyway, yeah. the new drinking game is take a shot every time Keith goes like this with his little hair curtains. Well, take a shot is better than like, you know, take a Viagra shot like last yeah. week. Oh, speaking of that for listeners, oh, uh, yes. weekly listeners, Spe- uh, you'll yes. notice that CEO co-founder Jen is on the line today because she's decided that I cannot be trusted to podcast without her you listening. You can definitely not be trusted. I, I I will have you know, CEO, as I... As I be- I said on the air uh, last week, I'm like, I can't wait for the text from Jen. And I got that text and it was great. She sort of 
Uh, when she misses the episode, I'll get a, we'll both get a live text stream. Like she's live tweeting the episode. And it was, it was really great to see her horror, uh, grow throughout the episode. <laughs> it was, uh, it was fun. Yeah. But at least she, I heard her LOL in the other room. So it's so weird to still to see her like go running or do some chores or whatever she's doing and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. be listening to our podcast. I, I, I start to wonder, Hey, product placement. If you enjoy Coke, you'll enjoy Coke Zero. Coke Zero. If All you're taking Viagra, but you don't want it to have less calories, or if you <laughs> want to have less calories, Coke Zero. It tastes like the real thing. All right. Are people well, listening? Yeah. Are they talking to us, Keith? They are indeed. Okay. A new friend, uh, M. Mazella3, wrote about uh, the previous episode. I remember watching this episode and thinking oh cool uh, th- so this is actually two episodes ago this is when uh bobby was held captive by by new kids on the block oh yes he uh says i remember he or she says i remember watching this episode and thinking oh cool so bobby has to defend himself as if he were in a real trial but how are they going to have witnesses and evidence and then boom there's suddenly more hostages great writing and I totally agree. And I, as I said on Instagram there too, it was almost structured like a play where it all takes place in one room. And then, you know, so you begin the story and then you have a couple of people enter and you are able to expand the world a little bit while staying on one set. Uh, good point. Also, from that episode, two episodes, nobody cares about last episode, but two episodes ago, uh, our good friend Jennifer said, founding sponsor, Jennifer, says a general statement. I was a friend of an ADA in Philly in the late 90s. Same deal as heaven, 30-ish Ivy School grad. He never went to a crime scene, let alone a police action. Then again, in Philadelphia, you mind your own business. Truth. I think Helen plays by her own rules is what I'm saying. Which is a really interesting point because Helen was there as well as the entire firm Mm-hmm. was there where where Bobby was being held hostage. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of TV contrivance happening there. Certainly, uh, <laughs> like the, the, the negotiation felt like all of it did. It was, you know, it was, a, it was a member of New Kids and the cast of Deadwood uh, there. But that's a really interesting <clears throat> point. We would, yeah, we should, we should have Jennifer's uh, friend on the show who's an ADA who can stand up for all the nonsense Helen gets up to. I often wonder a lot, especially in hostage situations, because now you see hostage situations on TV and everybody's in SWAT gear and they, you know, there's a perimeter set up. Yet in television shows and movies, you're right, the ADA and the detectives are always like right up, right up there with all these SWAT people, you know, in like a duster instead of having a flak jacket on it or anything. And, and that, I just don't feel like that, is actually how security perimeters are set up. They could just let any law f- law enforcement officer nearby. I, I don't know that that works that way, but well, it it feels way upstream of their job, right? Because like it's the the ADA is not involved until like there's charges made, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least until they're determining charges. I mean, obviously, when you have a situation like that, there will be charges, right? But it's it seems way 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 upstream of what's happening. I fixed Advil, Kim. Did you see? Oh yeah, Ad, there's another. I love. I love. Nothing gives me more pleasure than watching Advil Cam not work. I, 
that is professionalism. That is true professionalism, guys. This is what I feel like you we'd are have getting iterated by for, now that we would have come up with nothing. maybe a plan B to add Vilcam. You know, I'm moving. Okay, I'm packing up all of our things. In fact, Jillian and I are we are so excited about moving. We have you're packed packing up. before you've purchased a home. Oh, oh! Before we've made an offer, before we've seen it, we are like eighty. At, we are literally eighty percent packed. What you see behind you is like the things we like the few things we haven't packed yet <laughs> to keep it in the shop. Well, you know what? Our that positive thinking. You know what? That's going to propel you to success. I think. I think it's more like desperate thinking because we live in a. Uh, uh, I'm not exactly sure how to put it, but a garbage apartment. So we uh, we gotta, literally you got a washer dryer, man. That is big for New York City. We do, although they are both haunted and broken. Mm. Uh, in fact, uh, a couple days ago, I had to clear out the uh, the coin trap in the washer in the washer because it wasn't draining. So I had to pull off the bottom of it and unscrew everything. But in order even to get to unplug the washer, there's like this fake like plywood wall they put up between the washer and the and the rest of the bathroom. I had to unscrew the wall, pull the wall off, put it into the tub, then unscrew the washer that was like 30 years old and doesn't work. It was it's not nice. I mean, you know, I, I, I said I had a lot of white people problems today, and I do, but our place is not nice. Let me put it that way. Even though we pay a great deal. Apparently, I've killed Mike. Was oh, Mike hey. Dead? Are we still, are we doing, what are we talking about? Are we talking about the washing machine still? <laughs> you know what? You know, we've listened to, we, we listened we to your weather report. We talked for 55 minutes last week. We should your give everybody weather- a break. That's just balance. Oh my. What's next? Oh my. Jesus. All right. Fine. It is time. Hopefully, this will be more interesting to you. We're going to hop back into the time machine. We are. To April okay. 9th, the year 2000. Way back 20 years ago. And we are going to ask the eternal question, which apparently is more interesting than my washing machine story, and ask the question what was happening in. This day in the basement. Almost worked. Ooh, we got there. And that's really, at the end of the day, what's important, isn't it? Uh, Mm. Yeah, you know, last week, uh, I'll be brief. Last week, I talked about starting rehearsals for If I Sing, the the cabaret that I was working on with a couple of friends. And I was able to locate, I think I might have shown (gasps) this before, but I was able to locate this picture. Oh, look at that. And that is my good buddy, Wes, who I, my good friend, Wes, who I talked about is at the piano. And that's just a group of, you can clearly tell that that's the late night or early 2000s because of all the baggy clothing we're wearing. That was a very baggy fashion. Yeah, that is, that is some real 1998, like locked in. Yeah. Love it. Uh, So yeah, that was, and I, you can't tell I'm in the white t-shirt in the middle there, but I am rocking uh, what I was making an attempt at a goatee. I'm just starting to grow that goatee <laughs> oh. there, which actually oh. went all the way through for it, too long. Too long is is the answer to that. So that was uh, that's my this day in the basement. Nothing really exciting happening for a few months. So that's uh, Tyra from last week. Keith, let's go over to Rochester and talk about 
this day in the basement up there. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I was also starting to rock my college goatee, which apparently was like mandatory at that point. And it was the only time in my life I've had a full on goatee and it was uh, it was ridiculous. And I wore it for a good three. No, I wore it after that. I wore it into New York for a while. Okay. My first my first headshots, (laughs) which I found while we were packing. Uh, were my first professional headshots in New York. Wait, you didn't send that a picture? You didn't send one to me to put up on the screen right now? I wasn't planning to. This is impromptu. I didn't know there was going to be a goatee story. Where is it? Is uh, it within reach? Uh, I don't think so. I Next week, I promise. I okay. will get the original. Uh, but I was laughing because I realized how old I am because... While I was packing, I found not only those original headshots from 2002, 2003, but the original film negatives because my original headshots were shot on black and white film. <laughs> I remember having those two in the little sleeve mm-hmm. in a desk. Yep. And we are old. Oh, goodness gracious. We sure are. Uh, all right. So I, I do I met, have an buddy, I met you on a bus. We were making four hundred bucks a week to tour. You were making four hundred. I was making three seventy five. Oh, and you had a part. <laughs> I know. I had a bigger part than you did, but I oh, didn't wh- know how to negotiate. Far and away. By the way, for those wondering, uh, I have been able to utilize some footage from that tour in order to create some images for Keith as Pompous. So the next time that no! gets run, get ready. No, you better not. <laughs> Uh, no promises. I don't have a DVD player. Otherwise, uh, I would absolutely am, do that. But I I'm looking into never, it. Okay, good. I'm never going to do that segment ever again if there's footage from that tour. But to finish uh, my kind of uh, thought there, we started in those under those circumstances, and here we are. You're bought purchasing a home. It's pretty... Uh, the evolution has been... <sighs> yeah, it is. I mean, life continues... Uh, regardless but yeah no 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 life goes on life go well, and the crazy thing is we will still be when we do this day in the basement at some point the basement will be that tour yeah which That's is bizarre crazy crazy you're right all right anyway Soon? okay yeah this day in the basement in april 9th 2000 in rochester so uh at this point time in our existence my girlfriend who was a double bass player at Eastman she was just then purchasing her like professional instrument now especially for strings in the professional world the the instrument is a huge massive uh investment that you have to like like spend your life's earnings on an an instrument and so she at this point was buying her her like lifetime double bass and i think it cost about fourteen thousand dollars and it was like 120 years old and that's sort of what you do is you buy this like old beautiful instrument and my my aunt who was a violist i think had like something crazy like her viola viola was so expensive anyway so she so she bought this her parents like took out a loan and bought the base and the crazy craziest thing happened in the first like month of her owning it 
somebody broke it. And how still, yeah, I, I, I do not understand what, I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was on purpose or not on purpose or whatever. And the, the double base, uh, students because they the base is just so big they were not taking it back and forth to the dorm room they had a practice room that was dedicated to them and like two other double base students that they would share the practice room with that they, they could lock and keep and she showed up one day and there was a hole in this like 1880 $14,000 base like right like a hole like the size of your fist and it was like one of the most horrible days I can remember just like getting because I didn't have a cell phone at that point. I just got this message and was like, here, drink, drink. Uh, <laughs> just like she's in hysterics. Like so, there's a somebody broke my bed and it took months to get it repaired because you can't just like slap a, some Advil tape on that. And it was it was crazy. So, uh, so I remember that being a very stressful time stressful. in uh, yeah. my college time because that was, I I can't imagine what happened. We still we spent all this time trying to figure out what happened because the double base has has like this this metal spike that comes at the bottom that is the stand that you put it on while you're playing. Maybe somebody like hit it with that oh. unintentionally, like but a bayonet it was in case. Sort of like a bayonet, yes, a bassinet, and uh, <laughs> yeah, professional comedy. Yeah, co comedian. Comedian. Look, I did not say that in our pilot. One of us did. It was not me. But in case you're wondering, it sounds like this. Comedian. Oh, I uh -huh. can match the pitch every time. Comedian. Uh, anyway, so that was what was happening, and that was scary. The good news is it got repaired. Everything is fine. She has a great career uh, moving forward. Okay. We have done that. This day oh, that almost would have worked. I pressed the wrong segment, but like, I, it almost worked. We have finished. This day in the basement. And now it's time for... It's time for the Out of Practice Podcast's This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. The number one hit on April 9th, 2000 continued to be Maria Maria by Santana featuring the product G&B. I don't think I clocked how unbelievably popular Santana was at that time because he had a number one hit that lasted for like months mm -hmm. twice this is the second time he's had a, a number one hit that lasted for months again I was in opera school I wasn't allowed to listen to contemporary music but I'm like wow the cover of the Burlington Free Press talked about honeybee colonies in peril Oh. Speaking of things that have been solved, apparently. Ugh. I can't believe it Man, the it bees was... have been endangered for this long? They have been under uh, attack for years now. Truly. Well, you know, our species is working very hard to wipe out all other species on the planet. And we got an early start. The top movie was Rules of Engagement, starring Samuel L. Jackson and Tommy Lee Jones, which is another one of those, like, early 2000s, late 90s movies that I don't necessarily remember. 
at all, but it looks good. I'd pro I, I, I probably did see it back in the day. Yeah, I don't. Thank you very, very much, Maria. Never Maria was a huge Cummer. Tommy Lee Jones guy. Really? I mean, I, I appreciate him, but eh, he doesn't get me to the bo he doesn't get me to the movies. Well, nothing gets me to the movies now because I can watch it on my iPad at six o'clock in the morning because I got woken up by Amazon Fresh. Do you miss Mel Gibson? Do you need your food before dawn? Join Keith in his quest to watch all the Mel Gibson movies while opening Fresh Direct at five thirty in the morning. Uh yes, that was, and it was uh, Fresh Flicks with Keith Varney. Fresh Flicks. Fresh Flicks. Yeah, and meanwhile, like, half the cast is dead. It was a good movie, though. Oof, but, that was dark. All right, anyway. That brings us to everybody's favorite segment. Get ready. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time, it's time. It's time for sports. The Boston Bruins beat down the Pittsburgh Penguins 3-1 to one with two goals from Andy Lackinson and a third from Captain Joe Thornton. John Graham got the win in the net for Peter Scudra. There were no fights. The Flyers beat the Rangers 4-1 to one at MSG with goals from Mark Recchi, Damon Lanko, Eric Desjardins, and enforcer and future Blues head coach Greg Berube. Keith Primo scapped. Scapped, scrapped with Dale Purington. And don't worry, it was on the YouTubes. You can watch it. This is Keith Primo and Dale Purington fighting at MSG. Oh, yeah. There's John LeClaire. All right, so that was, I, I mean... To be fair, as a diehard Bruins fan as I am, at this point, I was a Flyers fan because of John LeClaire, because he was the only Vermonter ever to play in the NHL, so I probably watched that game. Wow, you got some and, trivia today. Only Vermonter watched, uh, to ever play in the NHL. John LeClaire. That, that's right, yeah. Well, I mean, he was a big, big deal. I watched him play for the University of Vermont uh, in college, because we uh, my parents have season tickets now. We didn't have season tickets then, but we watched a lot of games up at the Gutterson Arena in Burlington. And so we watched Johnny LeClaire play, and so we were so excited until he was drafted by Montreal, because they're the devil. And But then they traded him to Philadelphia for Mark Recchi and Eric Desjardins. Uh, we were very excited. Montreal, of course, traded John LeClaire, who became a giant superstar in the NHL, and Eric Desjardins, who was one, like, a incredible defenseman for like a decade they traded for mark recchi for five years then marky Re mark recchi went back to the flyers terrible plan by my montreal Man, ah, you you love to abs. you have a lot of pet names for these guys marky recchi you had uh who's the other guy johnny leclerc johnny leclerc what's hockey you have to have a oh, okay hockey is all about the nicknames okay uh, what was your nickname when you played uh tubby Hi, Cal. Hi, Cal Keith. <laughs> Actually, when I played, like I was, I was super thin. I was, I started playing, uh, in a sort of a competitive way, sort of after our tour, when I was like a stick. You I were was a stick. I was unhealthily thin during our tour, so I started. If playing anybody remembers then. the original NES hockey? Uh, ice hockey it was called you could choose from three player archetypes you had tubby 
medium guy <laughs> and fast skinny. Now, you were fast skinny when I first met you. No, I was slow skinny. Oh, well. Advil cam. Advil cam. No, I was still slow. But I, I I tell you, I mean, I was I was never prouder the the full season I played in a summer and where I led the team in in uh, goals and penalty minutes. Mm, interesting. Okay, was, let's I move forward. I was very proud of myself. Wizard, <laughs> can you tell me the weather? Not about hockey. Because we all need to know. Was it hot? Or did, did it snow? Tell me the weather from 21 years ago. Hello, practice fans, and welcome to your time machine weather for April 9th, the year 2000. This week, we're talking about death penalties, but the only penalty you'll have to suffer through is that of spring going away and the cold coming back. King of Prussia, high of 43 degrees, low of 30. Rochester, high of 32 degrees, freezing, low of 25. And in Boston, it's rainy, gets up to 60 degrees, hot and steamy like Bobby and Lindsay's relationship, but a low of 22 because I'm guessing Helen Gamble is going to come and put a frigid cool on those goings on. And this was your time machine weather. Uh, yeah. We have now wasted 31 minutes of your time. I'm a human being, god damn it. My life has value, and I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to talk about the damn episode. Uh, this episode entitled Death Penalties is season four, episode 18. It was written by David E. Kelly with a story by David E. Kelly and Alfonso H. Moreno, who last, last wrote on Checkmates. It was directed by Keith Samples, who last directed Endgames, which leaves us only one thing to ask. What is that supposed to mean? What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? What? Because Mike thinks gonna happen. Yeah, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? What would have happened? Well, you know, we're talking about death penalties, plural, Keith. Yeah. So we must have two cases that we are defending against uh, uh, with clients who are being put up against the death penalty. And since that okay. seems fairly obvious, <clears throat> I'm going to say that one of the people, fine. yes, one of the people that is uh, about to be a, a, accused of capital Death. murder is an old yep. personal friend of Bobby, <laughs> and the other is an old personal friend of Eleanor, and so okay. Eleanor and Bobby have the A and B case, and they're both defending friends of theirs against capital murder. And the death penalty is on the table. That's that's. I mean, that's the best guess I can possibly uh, muster. Okay. Well, you heard it here first. Uh, an old friend <laughs> of the firm is in trouble. That's never happened before. No. What a bold, bold guess. And we lose one of the two cases. 
Okay. All right. That's all right. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, let's find out here on this episode of the practice. It is time to switch your computer or phone over to our podcast service and listen to us talk nonsense over this episode. Yep. Click the link below or click on or camera, whatever the hell you do with the QR code. I'm not even certain, but uh, <laughs> the kids are so using you, it, I think. You're adding a QR code every week, but you don't even know how to use it. Uh, I mean, I have a, a vague a vague understanding. <laughs> <laughs> much with much like most other things in my life, a vague understanding is is really as far as I'll go. Season four, episode 18, Death Penalties. Plural. Plural. We have to make the decision. What do you think? I think if we can get manslaughter, we should take it. How much time would I serve? Could be as little as three years. I would I would think at the most six. God. My kids are 13 and 11. Exposition. Six years. Here's the problem. Jury nullification is risky. Technically, I'm not even alive. Generic white guy. Guy who wanted us to definitely know exactly how old his children were. Yeah, no, I've because already if forgotten. they were 13 and 10, I wouldn't care. <laughs> this is Robert Curtis Brown, who plays, uh, was from Beverly Hills 90210. He played three different characters on Murder, She Wrote. He was in Red Dragon, Supernatural, the Halloween 2 remake, Handmaid's Tale, and don't worry, he was on Star Trek Voyager as an ambassador. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. Robert Curtis Brown. His kids are of very specific ages. Now, it stands to reason that this guy can't be the guy, right? Because he's going for manslaughter. So that's definitely not uh, whatever the hell. Yeah, I uh, a uh, death uh, penalty capital case. thing. Yeah. yeah. All will be revealed, I'm sure. Arguing. Mm. What about insanity? The problem there is your demeanor was calm and deliberate at the time. Now, look, yeah, Helen Gamble insane? is a very good DA. Helen Gamble, you say? Also on this issue. What? She's on a mission with it. Her grandmother, I don't know all the details, was whether she was euthanized somehow, or all I know is she goes tough oh. on mercy killings. This was an act of compassion, for God's sake. You know that, I know that, but if we can get manslaughter, I think we should do it. I can't believe they're pushing this. This is Got politics. A euthanasia case. <clears throat> euthanasia case. You did shoot her in the head. Shot her in the head? <laughs> wow. I mean... Okay. Whatever happened to, like, the pillow over the face situation? Speaking of 20-year-old headshots. <laughs> yeah, Wait, okay. I, I, missed the, I missed that segue. Speaking oh. of 20-year-old headshots. Comedian? <laughs> wow. Keith. Yeah. Uh, completely... Uh, didn't, not unintended, but did you know that comedian is actually the same note as -na 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 -na. oh yeah, comedian? Yeah, no, you're totally in the right yeah. key. <laughs> that was a fluke. 
Yeah, like well, most other things I do. You may not be a comedian, but it's a mercy killer. It's pitch. a homicide. I'm agreeing to plead to homicide. Not enough, you're not. What are you looking for, a life sentence? This man is no criminal. I'm looking for more than five years. I do like the callback, because remember, we I can't even remember the case, but I do remember that that towards the end of the episode shot of Helen sitting at her desk with the picture of her grandma, and we were, I remember us commenting that that right. was some character exposition, and it's nice that we're revisiting that. Yeah, no, for sure. A better podcast would look up which episode that was, but the the we Bobby versus Helen's different uh, perspectives on euthanasia is pretty big part of that episode. It was the Great American Cry Off, if I remember correctly. Yep. Which is what uh, he would probably do with manslaughter, and he is a criminal, Bobby. He committed premeditated which murder. Sh- what? I'm we supposed to go say, light because it came from love. Just for clarification. Uh, it was Helen's grandmother who died and she regretted it. And Bobby's, he had to pull the plug on his mother as a kid. Oh, is that, did we know, did we know that? Yeah. 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 We, in, in that previous episode where they had like the big trial and they both cried. Oh, right. Was that before, or after we met his dad and he, he was like embarrassed and have him over that to the office or whatever? That was before we met his dad. That's right. We're going to see his dad again. I don't know. We're going to find out. A lot of homicides do. No spoilers. How angry you get. I'll so see that's you a in yes, there. Hey, keeps poker face. Betrays me. Take your hand <laughs> off me, please. I tried talking to her last night. So what do we do? I still wouldn't go insanity. She'll pick us apart. Plus, it's pretty obvious he knew what he was doing. So what are we left with? Self-defense. It's viable. You want oh, a new to argue. judge? He defended his wife. It's actually by an shooting old her judge. in the head. It's Deborah I should Mooney. at least be allowed to argue. Well, you won't like two be. Episodes ago. I have to prevent the law from being tortured here. I'm totally you consider the strict elements. You here. will not <laughs> argue he acted in self-defense. That's ridiculous. What else? We'd yeah. ask the prosecution no to include manslaughter as a lesser included charge. It wasn't manslaughter. It was premeditated. And Question for the jury. The jury doesn't get to decide what defendants are charged with. Helen the reason she won't charge manslaughter, week. she's afraid that's what the jury will come back with. I can't tell the prosecution what to charge, counsel. Your Honor, Bobby. I... Re- Thanks, Lindsay. Let's go in. Ms. Gamble, one second, please. Why are you the said, only DA in all I of I can't Boston? tell you how to prosecute your case, but it seems manslaughter is a good result here. I don't agree. A jury could let him go free. I'm aware of that possibility, Your Honor. Oh, all of a sudden, she's not interested in cutting deals anymore. No. May I help you? Oh, oh wait, did you see that shot? I'm looking for Bobby Young. It is time to contemplate the answer to one of God's greatest mysteries. What the hell is Lucy plugging? There is a shameless plug here if you're looking at it at 351. Lucy <laughs> Marla is clearly brazenly holding a Krispy Kreme donut mug <laughs> like up to her face. It's too bad my camera's not on because I'll I'll demonstrate in the oopsies just how ridiculous this plug is. She likes her Krispy Kreme donuts. I hope at least they got some free donuts. Uh, you were doing that with Coke Zero not but 15 minutes ago, so... <laughs> That's true. I want some free Coke Zero. Coke, <laughs> hey, 
We have tens of listeners. Give me some free Coke. Do you know how many Cokes you could sell? If only you tapped into the hot, hot practice podcast market. You might be able to sell an entire six pack. Love you. I'm Mary Donovan. Lucy and Marla still rocking the purple hair. Eugene Young or Eleanor Frutt. I'm Eleanor Frutt. Yes, you are. Hello. It's very nice to meet you. Did she say she was an old friend of Bobby Donald? She did not, but I'd like to buy a date. She is. Lady was not an old friend of Bobby Donald's. Lady who clearly shops at Burling Coat Factory. Burlington Coat Factory. <laughs> what? I don't know. It just looks oh. like a coat you get from Burlington Coat Factory. It does, which is not from Burlington, Vermont. Guys, just so you know. Okay. Uh, that's, that big, is... that's some hot inside Vermont goss. Yeah, that's what you come here for. 20-year-old Vermont gossip. This is Caroline Kava. From Dawson's Creek, X-Files, Quantum Leap, <gasps> and of and of course, for all of us next-gen fans, because I first was like, we've seen her on the show before. No, we haven't. We have seen her as Dr. Toby Russell in the episode Ethics of Next Gen, where she goes head-to-head with Dr. Crusher when Worf breaks his back and wants to die. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. The line must be drawn here. Uh... Side note, Jen and I have yes. dipped our little teeny teeny tootsies back into the Picard universe because we'd never finished season one, so now we're on the back half. Oh, interesting. They still I, say I, I, J, uh, JL too much. or JL? Uh, yeah. Who, uh, who, who JL? Give your time. But, uh, wait, JL. Are, are they still saying Is a lot, there JL? Something specific? Too much. My son. He's in jail for a crime he didn't commit. Yeah, well, join the club. Uh, well, yes. Every mother thinks her son is innocent. Distinction here, mine is. If I could just have one day, if it's more than five hundred, I can pay over time. Can you tell me the crime your son? If it's more than five hundred dollars, he's on death row in Pennsylvania. The governor just signed his warrant. He's to be executed in five weeks. So time is of the essence. Can't go any higher than four seventy-five. I'm told of your work on the Randall Jefferson case. What you accomplished in just twenty-four hours. Good throwback Mrs. Donovan, we to were one on. of our favorite episodes. Hi, Keith. It's nice to meet you. I heard you're a defense attorney. Yes. So my I, son, indeed I am. My son is on trial for murder, facing the death penalty in Pennsylvania. I've only got oh, $500, bummer. and I need you to solve the case in 24 hours. Is that going to be a problem? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, you know, speaking as someone who has done way too much work for $500 for most of my life <laughs> because I'm too afraid to negotiate with, uh, you know, my, my, my social anxiety says I'll do anything for $500. Of yeah. course, I'm, I will move and change my entire life uh, for this hopeless case. But at least, unlike all the websites I've ever done in my entire life, uh, when I lose this case, inevitably, he'll be dead and I get to stop. Oh, that's good. That's a good point. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll I'll go ahead and Venmo you. Unable to save right. Randall Jefferson. Please. You still upkeeping those I'm websites? I'm only asking for one day. Uh, no, but I I upkept many of them for far too long. <laughs> what do you do as a Little hospice fan. worker? It's much like that of a nurse, though I work primarily with dying patients, this usually is at Wanda their Lee own Evans. Homes. You worked for Scott Simpson. The My defendant. sister-in-law is yes. a hospice worker. I looked and after I his wife. I think it's one of the she most was suffering from ovarian noble cancer. nurse careers. 
Mrs. Raymond's Surely. calling your attention to the evening of December 5th of last year. Do you recall what happened? She was in a lot of pain. Mrs. Simpson. Yes. We were giving her increased dosages of morphine, but she was still in agony. And she was begging that we let her die. Finally, Mr. Simpson, he, um, he asked that I leave the room, which I did. Then what happened? After about two minutes or so, I heard a gunshot. He shot her in the head like a Mr. Simpson like a sick then opened the door horse in the backyard and he said his wife was gone in the hospice. You spoke of morphine. Actually on the like day a, in question you were using like morphine the in most conjunction aggressive with the benzodiazepine way to do that. Right? Yes. And this drug is the equivalent of Valium. It's very Just close. Just like shot yes. a bed the and wall behind her. And the purpose of a morphine Valium cocktail is to hasten the patient's death. Isn't that right Mrs. Raymond? Could have thought through that it's a little bit. Primarily better. to relieve pain. Mrs. Raymonds, I remind you, you're under oath. I mean, I'm very supportive of Valium combination. Euthanasia when necessary. That is used. But that's not the best way to do it. To cause the patient's death. True. Yes. So, on the day in question, you were already acting to hasten Mrs. Simpson's death, weren't you? In conjunction with the family's wishes, I was employing a method of pain management that would most likely result in the patient's death, yes. Yeah, give him the Michael Jackson. And no one charged you with attempted murder, I assume. Objection. Sustained. When Mr. Simpson ended his wife's life, he did something in seconds that you were basically trying to do in a day or so. Uh, now, co-founder CEO Jen, uh, who's listening, often says, in jest, I think, if I ever get, like, comatose or, like, paraplegic or something like that just you know pull the plug would you rather i pull the plug or should i shoot you in the head well as we've mentioned before if i'm ever able if i'm ever unable to wipe myself either way just make me gone <laughs> <laughs> julian's like oh i feel so bad i'm like don't worry i made a promise long ago jill <laughs> I disagree with that thank you Great work by the hospice worker. There. He was only 19 yeah. at the time. Wanda Lee Evans, really good work. He was convicted of raping and killing his girlfriend, Alyssa Kearns, then killing her mother. Jeesh. This is them. Jeesh. And this happened when? 1988. He's been in prison 12 years. The evidence was one eyewitness who placed him at the scene, plus a lying jailhouse informant who made up a story about Stewart confessing. He never did. And what's your son's story? That he was out hunting, and it's not a story. He was with my husband, who the police just thought was trying to cover for him. My husband has since passed yeah. away. Any DNA? Stewart's blood type matched whoever did it. That's a problem. They didn't do full DNA analysis back then. Never? In 1992, we finally had it done. Unfortunately, the test proved inconclusive. We went to try again in 95, but by then the rape kit had either been lost or destroyed. Mm. What's his appellate lawyer telling you? That he's done all that he can do? He's giving up. He was less so interested in my $500. You took it? I agreed it's to meet so interesting to be on the barrier of when DNA testing was both possible but also you know quick and easy to do because you have like 
right in 2000, you're on the precipice of having mm-hmm. all of these cases that could be determined one way or the other on DNA evidence and just sort of not having it. So I imagine like so many appeals, you know, over, I mean, probably up till today are based on DNA evidence from a time where before they were testing it. Yeah, and it's not just the test, right? It's also what types of evidence did they keep that can be used for the test? Like, they weren't taking swabs on everybody right away. So you're usually using, like, old uh, clothing or that type of stuff that hasn't been properly sanitized yeah. or kept in a good, you know, it's so that's why a lot well, of the tests come back inconclusive. And they talked about here, and it's going to be a plot point on this, in ter- the, the handling of the rape kit, which right. is a continues to be a huge problem right now where people are not keeping you know holding on to them and and storing them properly and so you have all of like and and i i think there was an npr thing i was listening to there's like tens of thousands of like rape kits that never even got tested yeah and you know that a lot of that stems from and another problem quote unquote that we've solved right that you know women aren't as forthcoming when it comes to rape because it was a partner of theirs or they are afraid of being not believed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And well, so and, the whole, that whole system is. Even on this show, how, how people, you know, who have, who have dealt with a sexual assault are treated in the mm-hmm. court system. Right. And then there, the evidence that proves it doesn't get tested or it gets lost or whatever. Ah, oh, glad we solved all of that. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's good that it, it is good news that anyone with five hundred bucks and a loose connection to Bobby Donnell can uh, can have all their problems solved. And the DA, right. if I can, in Pennsylvania. Well, it's an hour and a half flight. I'm there and back in a day. And you know who knows if he really is innocent. Oh, fancy going to fly? God bless you, Eleanor. If I had your heart, you yeah, have they've a really heart. gotten. Oh, funny. They've really cleaned things okay, up look, since last week's kerfuffle. I am not trying to pick a fight here. I promise. It's Isn't much a bottle of red can on Grieving husband, and I don't believe you really that believe this guy is a danger to society. Again. He does time. Now let's see if they'll actually eat, or if she's just going to spin that spaghetti for five minutes. He shot her in the head. Spin it. Is it the method then, the fact that he used a gun? Partly, yes. So They are eating. If he used a needle and injected her with something to put her to sleep, then you'd agree to manslaughter? No. Seems even less like manslaughter. You put dogs to sleep, not people. Okay, so agreed, it's a crime. But my question goes to why murder too? Why not manslaughter? Let me ask you a question. You're against the death penalty. You say it's barbarically. It's okay to put sick people to death but not convicted murderers? No, those are two very different things. No, they're not. Lethal injections in both cases. Look, there is a very big difference between executing a healthy person and allowing a terminal one in pain to die. Mrs. Simpson wasn't allowed to die. She had a bullet pumped into her head. She wanted to die. Oh, is that the test? Whether she wants to die? Because a lot of inmates on death row, they want to die. You support killing them? I am talking about a dying woman oh, and extreme Please don't shake pain. your fork at me. Not or what about the guy person. with the brain tumor who's got four to six months to live? He's not suffering, but he doesn't want it to ever get to that point, so he'd rather die now. Is it okay to kill him if he... Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I think this is a really interesting conversation and sort of like what the episode is about. I wish it didn't get so uh, frantically angry before we actually get to the point. 
So look forward to that. Well, I think we need How to about the ones with six months to live? I am not saying it's okay to kill anybody. I'm only Okay, sa- well, fine. You know what? You make a list of who it's okay to kill and who it's oh, not, all right? Stop it. This woman was in extreme agony. Can't imagine why she goes through roommates so quickly. Her husband was trying to spare her some <laughs> suffering, and you go after him like he's some monster. I'm supposed to listen to you on who's a sympathetic defendant and who's not. The Forgive me cheap, if I don't trust few your damn judgment, there. and thank you for allowing me to enjoy my supper. That's true. You know, uh, Jillian and I keep laughing. Like, we can't wait. Like, we really want the murder house because it's so much cheaper. <laughs> like, okay, let's find something where a horrible murder happened. They're in a murder apartment, right? This- murder apartment. All you need is a little bit of burning sage, and you're good. Well, and, and not only is it a murder apartment, but Helen, well, it's not murder necessarily, but Helen literally was the one who killed it. It was like, oh, just get a mop. I'm going to stay here. It's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> and Eleanor George was Vogelman. the one who was almost murdered in that that's same true. scene. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, like, okay, I guess I'll stick it out. Yeah, that's fine. Look, we've got a lot of unnecessary columns. We can't give those up. Do you know how hard it is to find an apartment with a washing machine in Boston? I need this place. <laughs> I was just making conversation. Zing! Boom. A nice Cut to commercial. The last week, she'd been in unbearable pain. Is he going to explain why he had to shoot her in the head? Is that where we're going right now? Because uh, I need I would to imagine. know. Okay. Yes. She was tough, Sally. She'd endured a year of massive chemotherapy treatments. Let's talk about the very last day. She just couldn't take it anymore. We then started the morphine with the Valium. Mrs. Raymond said she'd probably go into a coma and die in a day or two. But the pain wouldn't go away. What did you do? I asked Mrs. Raymond's to increase the morphine. She said she didn't want to throw her into seizures, that that would be more pain. So I asked her to leave the room. And then what happened? I went to my closet, retrieved my revolver from the safe, and... Great work here. I, uh, <clears throat> ended it. Sheesh. Robert she Curtis Brown again. Likely been dead in a day. Why? I wasn't going to let her suffer for another second. For two years, they cut out half her insides, filled her with chemicals, and the pain, not another minute, not another second, not another second. That's still, uh, like, I get it, and I definitely empathize. But if she was going to die within like 24 hours and like it, he he didn't really explain why a gun, why not like a pillow? So look, every circumstance is different. Everybody's experience is different. I'm definitely not trying to paint with too broad a brush. However, <clears throat> I have two very close experiences. One being my father, one being my grandfather. Both had uh, advanced types of cancer. Uh, 
both were in a, a, a great deal of pain. And in both circumstances, once it got to the point of hospice and they were starting to put, uh, I'll stick with my father because it's a little more one-to-one. They were starting to put days on how much more time he had. You know, mm. three days became seven days, became 15 days because you can't explain why, but he was, you know, was fighting for us. He was, you know, he was a tough dude. But those last three, four days, for him at least, under hospice's care, they were pumping him full of morphine and, and quote unquote, keeping him comfortable. So though I, once again, I completely empathize and, you know, had my dad been like, you know, put me out, that he didn't, but I'm sure that that would have brought a whole bunch of other <laughs> complications. But all I'm saying is that it, I don't remember at any point being like, I need to go get my gun and and end this. It does seem like an extreme leap of logic. Well, I I mean, I'm grateful not to ever have been in that situation, but I can 100% empathize with the impulse. Totally. If somebody, you know, somebody in that situation asked me, I would do everything I could to uh, to give that person that relief because I, I, you know, I, and I sort of, philosophically believe we are entitled to make that decision but you're right like a like why a gun that's a very aggressive and messy and complicated way to do that it's it that feels like a bit of a contrivance yeah and i will say also you know it's been it was years of therapy to kind of even understand this in my own head but during that time period not only was it a great deal of grief but a great deal of of wishing it was just over now, even while he was still sure. alive. And that, you know, which then I'm he, that, sure even that has complicated feelings. Oh yeah. Cause, because once he passed away that there was that a great deal of relief. And then that relief coupled with the feeling of kind of desire for it to be over in the beginning that leads to guilt. And that guilt can sure. really fuck with you as you move forward. So, you know, there are extreme emotions. So I guess, you know, maybe in this circumstance, if we the benefit of the doubt here would be that the extreme emotions made him feel like he had to deal with it right then and didn't have time to yeah. research anything else and so that's he leapt to the one thing he could think of which was the gun in the other room yeah we filled well, in a lot of gaps a, for him there <laughs> we sure did yeah one is also like a very long-term process that he was going yeah. through and that's just gonna chip away at you all right eleanor's flying into pennsylvania here's independence hall there's Eastern State Penitentiary. It's a good thing we have a Philly expert here on the podcast. I don't think that was Eastern State, to be honest, but... If you can't tell from all the doors closing, they're going into prison. Sound guy's having a uh, field day. What a big day. Hey, Mom. This is Eleanor Fratt, my son's Stuart. Holy crap! She says I do something. Oh my god, it's John Hawks! Guy who maybe raped and killed his girlfriend and her mom, but maybe didn't. $500 will tell. Oh, guys, it is Oscar nominee John Hawks. 
who was an Oscar nominee for the, and Golden Globe nominee for The Sessions. He was also in Winter's Bone, Three Billboards, Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Deadwood, of course, and Eastbound and Down, and including, and Congo, actually, which I was watching that movie a while ago. I'm like, oh my god, it's John Hawks. And his first part was an uncredited role on Police Academy. Of all those movies you listed, the one you've seen most recently is Congo? <laughs> it's true. Your television I, habits during quarantine have really brought up some interesting questions. And look, I'm just saying, we're doing this podcast. I clearly don't have taste. No, Stuart, I have a few meetings set up, and then maybe I'll have a better idea. What about this Bobby Donald guy? Is he coming too? He's not in for 500 right now, bucks. so he couldn't no. make it. But she's very good, Stuart. I checked her out plenty. Um, actually, I have a meeting with the district attorney in a little over an hour, so I read your statements, but I'd like to hear in person your account of things. Okay. It's pretty simple. I was there that day because I needed to see her. Why? We'd argued earlier that week. She wasn't returning my calls. She said we needed to take a break, so I left. That night, I went hunting with my dad. Next day, the police showed up. Did you make love to Alyssa that afternoon? No. And did you see her mother? Not that day. Eleanor's taking a note. Did have not chance? have sex. Which is pretty relevant since there is a rape kit. When a patient reaches stage four of ovarian there was cancer, a rape it's kit. pretty bleak. The odds yeah. of survival are. Tougher, yes. But you were generally encouraging to Mrs. Simpson, weren't you, Doctor? I don't know if I was optimistic. Holy crap, the guest stars! Chemo treatments, her pushing... Who's that doctor on the stand? Doctor on stand! We have a lot of crazy guest stars this week. If you're a fan of the MCU, this is Farin Tahir, who played Raza in Iron Man. He was oh. also in Elysium, 12 Monkeys, the TV show, American Crime, Warehouse 13, West Wing, the original Jungle Book, and he was in Star Trek, the the uh, Abrams-verse first movie. So, uh, Farin Tahir. Keith, do you still have your CBS All Access Pass? Of course I do. Are you going to watch the Star Trek cartoon? I I definitely will at some point. Like, I it's heard it not- was okay. I'm sure it is. I'm strangely like not a cartoon person. So you've never watched Big Mouth on Netflix? No, I watched Big Mouth. Big Mouth is great. Yeah. So like I I like it's not like I will not watch cartoons, but I am I I will because it's Star Trek, I definitely will, but I'm not like someone who like runs to the cartoon. In <laughs> fluids plus the two surgeries to debulk the cancer, it could be safe. Not someone who runs to, runs to the cartoon. Never was. <laughs> Any real chance of saving Mrs. Simpson's life? My brother's Simpson's always life. trying to get me to watch Shields? like Objection. adult cartoons, Mrs. which to me just feel like animated to do with weed. What it is my contention that this doctor contributed right to Mrs. Simpson's suffering. That goes to my <laughs> client's state of mind. Hold on here. Scott Simpson was the only one to help Advil his wife. Came. The doctors weren't there in the end. This witness is not Can't relevant to the issue before this court. I will show relevance. You are shut down here. Step down, doctor. Call your next witness. The defense calls Dr. Alan Price. Objection. Step up. Offer of proof. 
Dr. Price is the surgeon who did the debulking procedures. Denied. This witness is not relevant. Your Honor. I would remind counsel that it is your client who is on trial here, not the doctors who treated his wife. My client should be allowed to put on a defense. You are not putting on this one. Who else have you got? Defense rests, Your Honor. Defense rests. That's pretty bold. Lindsay's like, yeah, we're done. They didn't even talk about it. We're back As in I Philly. told Mrs. Donovan, we don't know what became of the rape kit. Oh, please. Do you know where it could have become lost? It should be in the police evidence room. If not there, I'd try the lab. Barring that... Why aren't you trying? Why are you just so blasé Mrs. About Donovan, I was kind enough to grant you this meeting. You were kind enough to prosecute and convict my son of a crime I'm he didn't commit. I'm not going to entertain this. All right. All right. Would you support me? The prosecutor with a lot of stomach issues. Something about IBS, but I'm not going to make a joke because that's a true medical condition and I definitely don't want to offend anybody who might be suffering from that or anything similar to it. Oh, we have a good story about that. We'll tell off air. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so he has... Uh, like a huge bottle of antacid, mylanta, and uh, looks like uh, something else behind him. Tum to tum anyway. tum tums. Tums. This ADA is played by David Moreland from Donnie Darko, Legally Blonde, Old School. But most importantly, we're not supposed to notice that you've been on the show before. Yes, good. That's the stupidest one we have yet. Just you shredding on the guitar keyboard back there. The keytar. The keytar. I didn't even like, it's all, I just notated it in Sibelius. It's all just playback on Pro Tools. All right. Anyway, David Moreland was last seen as a coroner on the episode The Trial, season two, episode 19. I can't believe how often I get to play this jingle. Like, people are constantly coming Well, usually back they he... change their hair or give them glasses. Here, they're like, you know what? We'll give him a an abstract digestive ailment. <laughs> That's right. You won't be able to tell. Now, did you see what exactly I did there? Is... ADA, abstract digestive ailment. You see what I, see? You see what I did? That's wow. comedian? Comedian? <laughs> In my efforts to try to determine where the rape kit could have gone. Of course, we're not trying to hide You're anything right. here. You're right. They like Thank and you. they propped it. And very, are they going to mention it, or they're just like, let's just give a little like context. It's got like Pepto Bismol. All the labels are pointed to the window. And for us, let's be that, clear. I don't know. While I That's support funny. your efforts to retrieve lost evidence, I totally oppose the idea of this case being reopened. Mr. Donovan was rightly convicted. He did not homicide. commit that crime. All right. I appreciate you making the call. Mary? Oh. 
get out of that office. Look, Mary, here's the deal. Head. If we're going to make any progress on this, we're going to need a modicum of cooperation from the police, and that's not going to happen with you antagonizing them. Ooh, an that external man is never going to help. Shot. And I'll tell you why. Yeah. His boss is running on a death penalty platform. Stewart's execution is the first Great one scheduled in a year. Politics-wise, they need this to happen. They very well could have knowingly destroyed that rape kit. And forgive my French, but that Mr. Platt is an ass who's capable of concealing evidence. Mary, I don't want you to enter. There's a neat parallel. Haven't we seen kind of an uptick in some executions in our in the country now as we get closer to the election? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Antagonize them. Excellent political insight. It's like the Ghostbusters building there. Bobby's pissed. How's it going? Hey, Eugene and Rebecca, welcome to the episode. Hey, we that have lines. He tried calling the woman's doctors. Why? Good question. I don't know, Lindsay, are you part of the team or you just want to like criticize Bobby? Since I'm second chair, I thought maybe you'd let me in on the strategy. That strategy is simple. Scott Simpson endured two years of watching his wife suffer. What does that have to do with the doctors who treated her? I was putting them in to establish the suffering. No, you weren't, Bobby. You put Dr. Shields up there to attack him. Helen isn't the only one personalizing this. What's going on with you? Lindsay, we have no defense, okay? I have to convey whatever Scott Simpson went through, what his wife went through. It's all about building up enough sympathy so the jury feels compelled to ignore the law. If, if, if that's what you were trying to do, then you went way off course. Okay, look at me. You were saying how the doctors weren't there in the end. Now, I, I know that that you had to turn the respirator off on your mother. It isn't about mm. that. Yes, I think Why it did is. it happen like that? Backstory, backstory. How was it that you had to turn it off? We heard about my dad and Bobby's mom this episode. The hospitals wouldn't do it back then. At least the hospital that she was in, um, it was a Catholic hospital. And they just left the family alone with the patient. Wait, is this going where and I think it's going? The button. And the doctors, the nurses, they all left the room, leaving just me and my dad with... Why didn't your dad do it? He they made couldn't. Bobby do it? My father, he couldn't bring himself to hit that button. Even though he knew. Yo, that's fucked up. So. That is some shitty parenting, Bobby's dad. He asked me if I would do it. And as, as studies have shown, that, there, you can draw a distinct line from an, acti like, from an action like that directly to uh, leaving a dead baby on the steps of the church. Clearly. Causation. While those 15, doctors were Jesus. outside comparing notes on how well the patient tolerated this chemical versus that one. A 15-year-old kid was left inside. Great scene of Dylan not overplaying that. 
Yeah. And great backstory. Yeah. And now you hate them. Yeah. Lindsay, great recept. That's great listening, too. Yeah, I do. Kelly Williams. Okay. But we've got a murder trial here. And our client, he needs you to try this case. And this case alone. I'm doing They're excellent that. together. No. Yeah. You're not, Bobby. That was a bad edit. Do you see that? He definitely wasn't crying. Yeah. <laughs> in the A shot, but now he has already cried. Yeah. They they just like, let's not use the take where the tears come out. But we'll use the <laughs> Yeah. Well. It's our job to point these things out, Keith. Maybe I should close. <laughs> our job, yes, our occupation. Our COVID occupation is to point out bad tier edits. For $500, will you point out bad editing over the course of seven seasons of a television show once a week? I'll do that for far less than 500, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> hey. It became oh, winter don't you start. all of a sudden Saying in the B-roll? Hey, starting? Well, it depends. Have you come to pick up bridesmaid dresses? What, have you come to distract me from working on my closing? Yes, Helen, that's her tactic. This case can't be a situation where your office is pressuring you to get a murder, too. Why not take the manslaughter? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? That's not really an answer. You could just plead out if you want. Why not do it? Really? I don't know. Now we're in old this evidence warehouse. This is where you keep warehouse. all the kits? Yes, ma'am. Some of the old ones. Well, going back how far? That I couldn't tell you. It looks like a Lonovan messy Home Depot. Stewart, uh, it does. This would be it. Why are there a giant stack of mannequins on... Well, we figured it wouldn't be there. That would have been... Awesome. That's the Easter egg you've left. There so it is, the Easter not egg. Here, it where finally else comes might it together. Be? I mean, how many different people handle these This kits? is just storage. Chain of custody is all documented. So you've got three cement buckets, an old nude mannequin, and right. 30 years of old rape kits all on the same shelf. At Home Depot. Went to the lab in 92... There's no documentation that it ever came back. You know, in well, the breakdown for this guy's character, it said, really must be able to capacity. climb ladder. Plus, we call, they say they don't have it. That means it's most likely destroyed. <laughs> Do you have a cop uniform <laughs> and can facilitate a climb up a ladder? This is on the paper. You're hired. Probably did say that. Thank you very much, officer. Ooh. So they... See, there was like a thousand mannequin legs there. It's a huge stack of mannequins. It's the hypocrisy of, of it all that gets me. Oh. We're already helping. Doom, doom, doom. It's closing time. Time to put mm. up Bobby's. Is this his closing? Oh, wait. Yes. Yes. Okay. It, wow. It's early. I wasn't <laughs> prepared for it. <laughs> it's closing You were exactly the right key. Time. I sung a little under, but my intention was correct. It's I'd like to point out, you've been in the right key twice already today. And I haven't sung in months. Uh, at ha the halftime closing here, the halftime performance, halftime show, uh, Bobby Donnell. 
And patients yeah, die. Right. We make these morphine Valium cocktails, and in the end, it causes them to go into a coma and die. Forget the crap about pain management. That's just a politically correct euphemism. It's to hasten the patient's death. So what are we talking about? The so-called victim in this crime was gonna die within 48 hours. The so-called victim's death was already being hastened medically, and my client hastened it further, and he's on trial for murder? He That's shot a her joke. In the head. We can't give them a quick-acting drug because that would seem too much like we're killing them. So we give them a slow-acting drug, let it take a day or so, and we call it pain management. That's a joke. And it would be funny if it weren't for the fact that the patient often suffers excruciating agony in the meantime. He's completely right. Which is exactly what was happening in this case. Yes, the argument is sound Everybody for in sure. this room knows. If the doctors could have ended Sally Simpson's pain quickly and mercifully, Scott Simpson would have never picked up that gun. But here we are, trying to take away his life, trying to take him from his children, trying to brand him a murderer. More than anything, the law is supposed to protect the weakest members of our society. The law wasn't there in the end for Sally Simpson. The doctors weren't there in the end. After they cut out half her insides, pumping uh -oh. her full of drugs, prolonging her pain, causing it, they weren't there in the end. Only I, uh -oh. my client, uh -oh. Scott Simpson. Dylan McDermott is very Only good. He was he there very good. In the end. Now I gotta say, David, I I think we and get it. I don't think we quite need this for a flip there. Suffering. You knew it was gonna come though. Little bit he in the end. Stop it's almost like, you know, using a gun when a pillow would suffice. And they're asking you to call him a murderer. Look, I think more sort of uh, hyperbolic story-wise is less so the shooting in the head and more so that Bobby's dad, who was a really nice guy, we've met him, made Bobby pull the plug on his mom at 15? I, That's insane. Crazy. It's, that is brutal. That explains all of, all of like Bobby's First, weirdnesses. There's a difference, ladies and gentlemen, between controlling pain with a dosage of medicine that could foreseeably cause death and simply killing someone. Also Maybe sound. in the end it amounts to a small distinction, but it is one. Doctors do not kill to kill. And even if they did, as Mr. Donald contends, it is still illegal. Second, the patient was already dying. Mr. Simpson just hastened it further. Please, where do we draw the line? Where do we say death is so close it becomes okay to kill? Certainly if a prisoner on death row was murdered the day before his scheduled execution, we would hold the killer accountable. Third. Interesting point too. Mrs. Simpson was suffering. I certainly don't dispute that. But I definitely take issue with the suggestion 
that when a person is in enough misery, it becomes permissible to take out a gun and shoot her in the head. Fourth, the law. When a person intentionally takes the life of another human being, it's murder. You can be loving, sympathetic, even heroic if you're so inclined to find him that way. But if he intentionally takes the life of another human being, absent self-defense or diminished mental capacity, it's murder. And that's what we have here. Now, the arguments about the extenuating circumstances take that up at sentencing when it's time for leniency. But here, the question is, did he commit a crime? I suppose you could choose to ignore your duty. You could do here exactly what Mr. Simpson did and take the law into your own hands. Oh, so Bobby's would I understand? Yes. Would it make you popular in the public's eye? I bet it would. Would it make you right? Not essentially. He said it from the very beginning, like in the first scene. Oh, he did scene. it, yeah. Yeah. Because, like, there's... You know the answer to that. The law is just sort of, like, behind the times on this. This isn't a forum for policy. But since Mr. Donnell argued it, I agree. The law is designed to protect its weakest member. That would include the sick, the aged, the dying. Just consider the potential for abuse. If we let ourselves become open to the idea that sometimes it's okay to take out a gun and put somebody down. You know, I could be hallucinating from not having slept well, but I feel like your the Honor, jurors Chambers. are in different positions in different parts of that What's scene. Up? Because I you to have like the jury that a conviction there was like a the life cute one what? with she like weird lip implants. I did not. Yeah. Who I thought was in the front row, and then she was in the back row. She was in the back from the beginning. Was she? All right. Never mind. I'm hallucinating. Just my own Advil cam. Oh, look at you! You're a mess. Not as bad yeah. as me. Yeah, she definitely wasn't. She was static. She was where she was. Uh, Okay, all right. All you right. said leniency. That implied to the jury that you can be lenient when that's not the case. A conviction on murder too means life. What do you want me to do? Tell them that. He'd be looking at life. Forget it. You have no discretion to be lenient, and right now the jury thinks you do. I think you're overreacting. She knew what she was doing. Don't be accusing me. Reported on prosecutorial misconduct. Hey, I stuck to the law. You argued jury nullification. You cannot let that jury deliberate under the false impression that my client might get Subject a lighter sentence. There will be no further talk on sentencing. I'm certainly not going to give an instruction. It now. was a deliberate act of deception. It was not. How could you? You're a liar. Hey. Oh. <laughs> I'll hold him. you both in contempt. I'm going to go ahead and say that in many respects, Bobby deserved that. But it was also kind of a weird, <laughs> it was the only way to stop it from going to 12. I don't understand. Like in David E. Kelly's world, people are hitting each other constantly. Our main character, like I haven't smacked a human being in anger since I was like 12. But everybody on the show is like punch, punch, throw, throw, hip, slap. No, Crazy. you just save it. You just save it for good old fashioned sporting. For sport, no. Unless that, I'm on skates, is, I won't slap you like a little. I won't say that. Anything. No, that that is true. When on skates, all the rules are off. But in real life, 
You want to fight the fight in the courtroom? Fine. I will not accept that kind of personal attack. But I will slap you directly in the face. In front of a judge. Lindsay's like, hey, Bobby, uh, we gonna lose. You were totally out of line. She said leniency. You heard it. I'm talking about calling her a liar. Bobby, the law is totally on her own side like here. Who's kidding episode? who? Yes, she could have gone manslaughter, which I think she should have. But the facts easily support murder, too. So I would be a murderer then? Is that what you're saying? Of course I'm not saying that. Ooh, subtext. Is that what's going on here? Uh, yeah, you're I believe he's yourself? made that pretty clear. Have you been carrying that around? Look, I'm not putting this on Lindsay. I'm not. But she has sniffed this out with his mom thing way early. She really should have been pushing harder to be first chair on this or to like <clears throat> getting some other people, Rebecca, Eugene. Yeah. yeah. To like, we got a real Bobby in here. He, he shouldn't be on uh, euthanasia case. However, like she's doing some pretty good pre-wifing here. Pre wifing, uh, yeah, you're right. Because, yeah, you get it. Fiancéing. Mm hmm. She, my wife does, she she sure honeys me quite a while. Quite, sure, honey. I was like, <laughs> I, I, I understand what that means now. I can read between those lines. You killed your mother? No, I don't think that. You, you said it. I, I didn't say it. It came out of you. Bobby. Bobby, baby. Bobby, baby, booby. Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. Look, Bobby, I Bobby. understand your problem, but we send all samples back to the evidence. Oh, we're court. in another warehouse. Very limited now. storage capacity here. We don't hang on to rape kits. But the police don't have any record of you returning to well, the rape we were, event. Well, because we were making fun of, of all back of the, to them. Uh, I can show it to you. It's right here. Well, if you wrote it down. Can you tell me who you used as a messenger service? We don't use services. It presents chain of custody problems. So people here would have delivered it directly to the police? Yes. So basically, you're saying it got lost there. They're saying it got lost here. Well, if I were a betting man, I'd say it got lost there. Okay. Does uh, Jack Semler still work here? Who? Jack Semler. He was the technician who did the testing back in 92. Can I see your paperwork? Yeah, sure. Mm -mm, what's wrong with Jack? Yeah, there's been a mistake here. What kind of He's mistake? He's been dead? We didn't do this testing. What? Jack Semler works for a private lab. We sometimes hire out when we're swamped here. Oh, I think snap. our records, oh, they indicate we sent it back to the police when we may have sent it to Kendall Laboratories. Oh, the rape kit could be well, alive. Well, if we have it, this is the only place it could be. How long do you keep samples for? Now, notice that the two places we've gone to, the police warehouse and then Lab A, both were sort of shitty. And we are now in Lab C, which is like state-of-the-art facility, nice locker, refrigerated like locker room for the evidence. Like the private lab. Right, right. Let's see, Donovan, Donovan, Donovan. First name? Stewart. 1992? Yes. Oh, it's right here in the front. Look at nope. that. Nothing. Oh. Well, if you don't have it and it didn't make its way back to the police, do you have any idea where it could be? Sorry. Unless, what was the victim's name? Kearns. Sometimes they screw up and store it under the victim's name. Let's see, Kearns. Let's see, hey. Oh, it's right here in the front. No. Steven. Alyssa? Yes, that's it, Alyssa. 32665. Yeah. So this old lost rape kit 
is the third kit listed under the K's in this private lab. That's convenient. Well, I mean, I mean, how many do they have there? It looks like they maybe only have like 300. How many kerns do you have? I just meant it's very convenient. Okay, well, we only yeah, have 42 minutes. Huh. Meanwhile. What, huh? what do you mean, huh? Why? It's okay. I, I'm with him up to this point, but she she just opened the kit. With no it's gloves. Clearly open, but it it was it was open before, so like the kit wasn't even sealed. So chain of custody is completely wiped out anyway because the the kit wasn't sealed. It's absolutely yeah. I mean, I'd be snapping photos. I'd be going all over this thing. We've got it. You have it. Was it. like open the there whole time. You can't just open up a. It was no. I get it's Keith? a contrivance for TV, but like that whole thing would be tossed immediately. Keith is very frustrated. She's still there. Damn we it! Tracked down the rape kit. She's still in Philadelphia. Meeting with the DA, asking this for another has DNA also disappeared. Test. What if this one's conclusive? She think about that. What's to lose? He's due to be executed in five weeks. We getting paid for this? Five hundred cash. Five hundred bucks. You know, we should expand. What's up with your case? Zane. Sure, he's still out. Anybody see Lindsay? Uh, yeah, she's writing up a prenup. Oh, hey, Mr. Donald. She's off to visit Bobby's dad, Charles Durning. Lindsay. Hey. Hi. Hey, um, you know, you Great to see you. Hate to bring it down. Did you make Bobby kill his mom? You're in a yeah. Menu. Oh, well, well I you hear watch? sex the new rage. <laughs> How's Bobby? Well, he's been better. <laughs> he's a little unsettled at the moment. Oh, something wrong? No, you two aren't fighting, are you? No, no, we're not fighting. He thinks he killed his mother. I'll get right to the point here. Yep, all right. We're only at 42 minutes, you two Mike. You really need to talk more. <laughs> but that's interesting because we're just passing the two-hour mark <laughs> right now. <laughs> He killed his mother. Oh, he facilitated the death. The last Let's day of say it life. that way. You two have never talked about it? That's not something. That's not something I can talk about. Well. Pony up, Big D. Well, your son needs to. I'm afraid I'm afraid I'm afraid I'm afraid I like it. You can't agree to a DNA test? No. Why? Miss Frutt, this case is over. It's been over for 12 years. He's no. about to be put to death. Are you saying that we should go back and reopen an investigation simply because a sentence is about to be carried out? You because we found a rape Mary. kit. The DNA technology has improved. It is possible that a new test could exonerate. I couldn't reopen even if I wanted to. This is new evidence. Of course you can. It isn't new evidence. We had the rape kit at trial. That was in earlier the, this season. In the event that they get this guy either acquitted or off the death penalty. Yeah. Not only did the mom pick the exact perfect law firm, she also right. did it on such the cheap. She... All these years, 12 years, bucks. and all it took was 500 bucks and a phone call to Bobby Donnell and Associates? Can Go she be Eleanor. NVL? <laughs> 
Possibly. Look, I understand there might be political gain in seeing this execution through. It isn't that, and I'm offended at the accusation. You're offended at the accusation? How about I might have an innocent kid? He is you were a to be put to death, and all ago. we're asking for is a simple test to confirm that you've got the right guy. It isn't that simple. Why not? You're in here asking that we reopen an investigation. If we did that for you, every defense attorney in town would be lining up outside my office asking for the very same... I am same the only defense attorney with a client slated for execution. The answer is no. Then we'll go to court. Do what you think you must. Yeah, I think the rape kit is essential dip. evidence. I think that... Uh, yeah. Absolutely. People the hear jury has like asked this. whether they could come back with manslaughter. Maybe, you know, cross you your say? T's and dot your I's on a capital case. I told them no. What? It's murder one, murder two, or straight acquittal. It's poker time, folks. Obviously, they don't want to convict on murder two. But they might be more reluctant to set him free. Who's going to blink? I'm still willing to take manslaughter. Helen? No. Helen? No. Yikes. Oh. This time. Don't Just like last time. Again. It's Sorry, personal. I called you a liar. Okay. Well, I did hit you. You don't think we can deal this? You know, Eleanor's been asking me why I pushed this. Lindsay asked. It. Truth is, I don't know. I've been asking myself. Uh, What's the answer? To be fair, you're trying a case. Maybe figure out your shit before you're making life and death decisions for another person. We live in a country where people kill each other a lot. Mostly with guns, and whether I feel for your client or not, and I do. The thought of expanding the boundaries, even, even microscopically, where it becomes excusable to shoot somebody. I can't do it. It has to stay repugnant. Excusable is too short of a leap to acceptable. I can't do it. Just think, especially for a DA, you gotta leave your personal shit out of this. Oh yeah. All we're looking to do is a simple oh. DNA test Smoking to confirm judge. whether Stuart Donovan Smoking was judge. in fact the man who raped Alyssa Kearns. My understanding is we had a match. A blood type match, but that is hardly... Smoking! Who's that smoking on the bench, Judge? This is an interesting one. I, I I don't usually stop the episode this late, but this is George Wallace. Not that one. He fought in World War II, was in a ton of sci-fi movies, including Forbidden Planet in 1956, Radar Man on the Moon. He was also in Towering Inferno and Minority Report, speaking of going spanning a long time in your history he was admiral simmons in the next generation episode man of the people he has 231 imdb credits he also has a long broadway career including the original cast of company pipe dreams he was tony nominated for new girl in town opposite gwen verdon 
and he would uh, usually bill himself as George D.H. Wallace to avoid confusion with the racist. And he is being introduced into this episode exactly five minutes before the credits roll. We might have a tube. We also had an eyewitness, plus his fingerprints. And he's a chain smoker, isn't about that. A young lady. I was the trial judge in this case. Now, if you're suggesting that Mr. Donovan didn't get a fair trial. That is not my suggestion. To repeat, I am only asking that you authorize a DNA test. Mr. Platt. Under Pennsylvania law, new evidence must be introduced within 60 days of its discovery. The rape kit is 12 years old. Defense had opportunity to analyze it before trial. The technology is different. The new evidence is not the rape kit. It would be the results of the testing. So the 60-day statute of limitation hasn't even begun to toll. Analysis of evidence is not new evidence. This is supposed to be about the truth. One lousy test brings us to the truth. Our judicial system is a process, Miss Frunt. We have rules of procedure. New evidence is one thing, but the re-evaluation of all evidence is quite another. Your Honor. The petition is denied. Damn. He is facing a death penalty. We're adjourned. I have to go focus. Frut? Right. Now... Are we going to need more than 500 bucks now that we got to go an extra day? Where's oh, my they got to tell him. She, uh, well, she flew to Philadelphia. She's going to come 500 bucks later. is gone. She's off someplace crying, huh? Well, she's upset, Stuart. She just doesn't know when to quit. That's all. He's great. John well, Hawks. Oscar nominated John Hawks. Of course he is. Because yeah, but I'm he hadn't queen. gotten my seal of approval yet. <laughs> what are you going to do? He was waiting for the big guns. I don't know. But I'm not going to go back to Boston, I can tell you that. Yeah, Eleanor. Let's to be continued this shit. But first we got to find out what happens here. Mr. Foreman, the jury has reached its verdict. We have. The defendant not will please rise. Little fan. See, the hot jurors back you? in the front row again. Maybe they're on two On Commonwealth versus Scott Simpson, on the charge of murder in the first degree, we find the defendant, Scott Simpson, not guilty. On the Why charge of murder in the second dick? degree, Wait, we back find that the defendant, up. Scott and Simpson, look at that again. Simpson, not guilty. He grinned it again? Why on is the charge of murder in the second degree, we find the defendant, Scott Simpson, guilty. Oh! <sighs> Members of the jury, this completes your service. The court thanks you. This matter is adjourned. Security will take the defendant into custody. Yikes. Bobby's lost two cases in a row now. I forget, did he win the previous euthanasia case back in, like, season two? I don't remember. And Laurie's gonna take you guys home, okay? And, uh, you'll stay with her for a little while like we talked about. Everything's gonna be okay. They'll be okay, Scott. I'll call you Thanks, tomorrow, sis. guys, okay? Love you. Really interesting that 
those kids are young and they decided that it would be best for them to see the trial. So they knew. Very interesting. Right. And it, meanwhile, his, I guess it's like his mother-in-law or whatever is played by Sarah Van Horn, uh, who literally only has like two words in this, but she's had a very interesting career. She was on Parks and Rec. I remember her from Community. My name is Earl, The Office. She's actually done a fair amount. I think they said Aunt something, didn't he? Aunt something. Aunt Laurie's gonna take you guys home, yeah. okay? Aunt Laurie. And uh, you'll stay with her for a little while, like we. I'll go with the boys. Take him home. Okay. Bobby looks like he's been punched in the face. You okay? Yeah. Well, in his subtext, he just got convicted himself. Mm -hmm. I'd say his friendship with Helen is strained. Yeah, yeah. Having a flashback to when she grabbed his dick since the defendant just grabbed his. It was his hip. But yeah, we know, that, we know Bobby is, Bobby's packing heat, so it might have wrapped around. <laughs> Sorry, Bobby's having a moment. Oh, now we see Bobby's dad in the back of the gallery. Seeing him suffer from what happened. Oof. PTSD. Great final beat. I like it. Great beat. Okay, well. Okay, we... folks. You have now witnessed The Practice, Season 4, Episode 18. And Phoenix, it is time to hop back over to the YouTubes to watch our favorite award show. Yay, but welcome back. Welcome back. And before we do our favorite award show, we have our favorite. Oh, God, my hair. All right, everybody drink. I'm fixing my hair. Here we go. It is time for. Mike has 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show. We have two cases, both facing the death penalty. One, 500 bucks, a mom has Eleanor fly all the way to Philadelphia to unearth a lost rape kit, but then is denied, and his trial is, they can't even test the rape kit, so he is still being executed as we speak. Bobby deals with the demons of pulling the plug on his own mom while defending a client who shot his wife in the head, claiming it was euthanasia, but is convicted of murder too, and so Bobby internally is as well. Yes, except for they were both not death cases. Only one of them was a death case, but good. Oh, well, I did my best, buddy. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> no, you did great. Like, uh, you know, that was one of my more salient ones. Th that really was uh, more coherent than usual. But the coherence stops here because it is time for. Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice podcast in unofficial unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions proudly present Oopsie! The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike! What the hell are the Oopsies?
Well, they're a fake award show that we do at the end of every episode, which I always explain as if Jackie were actually asking a question. And as if, if you're not listening to this, you don't know what's happening. But anyway, we start with... Well, my exploration of the mother being the most valuable lawyer ends with the fact that it didn't really pan out correctly thus far. As far as we know, the son is still going to be executed. So That's right. But nonetheless, we had Eleanor for 500 bucks do some great sleuthing, unearth this lost rape kit and at least potentially unearth evidence that can be used to get this guy off a of death row. So, but we also have Helen who won a case that she maybe over-prosecuted and and was faced with a with a Sophie's choice. You know, with in the just like last week, in the face of, well, here comes the the verdict. They're not offered manslaughter. They don't seem to be keen to convict him of murder one. Do you still want to roll the dice? And she said yes. So my two my two thoughts are Helen or Eleanor here, the roommates, extraordinaire. And I think, you know, I don't have all the evidence, but I think right now I'm going to go with Eleanor Frutt because I think ultimately she's going to get this guy off a of death row. Row. So I'm gonna I'm gonna gamble and say, not Helen Gamble, but Eleanor Frutt for my MVL. Yeah, and I, Advocam. I definitely adv- Oh God. I- Advilcam. This is well, we're just you, gonna, need, we're gonna, you need bigger I need, Advil, I think. I need better tape. I need mm-hmm. that, that's I'm just gonna hold it. It's gonna be fine. Yeah, I, I'm I'm totally I'm with you on that. I, I frankly think Eleanor did the best like lawyering for justice, for truth and justice in the American way. Uh but Helen won her case. Mm-hmm. I mean I I disagree with her case. I would not like, you know, politically be on her side. But not only did she win her case, but she got a result more significant than what the jury clearly wanted to do. Jury clearly wanted to do manslaughter. Uh, So she, when gun to the head, no pun intended, for the jury, they went to convict even harder than that. So I, uh, even though I disagree with her her political standpoint, she clearly crushed it as a DA. So I'm giving it to Helen. So congratulations, Helenor. The roomies. For your MVL. Next up. Already famous because you've been on TV. Getting a paycheck. Or first entry on your IMDb. Way to go. But you're the best guest actor. You are the best guest Oh, that's more fun than it has any right to be. <laughs> it's so stupid. So stupid. <laughs> the best guest actor. Well, there's some great ones. I actually thought that uh, Bobby's dad, who I can't find on the IMDb here. Uh, Charles Durning. Did some great uh, acting in his two scenes, but I think that we have to go and give it to 
John Hawks, who's played it real simple, real easy. I think we're going to see more of him in an upcoming episode. Uh, simplicity is king, especially when you think about all the stakes for this guy who's on death row. And right now, you know, he's not even getting his hopes up because it's been so long and he's just showing compassion for his mom. I, it's really heartbreaking in a understated way. And so that's my vote. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a big friend of big friend, big oh, fan you, you, of friends. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned I didn't sleep well last night. I'm a big fan of John Hawks and I expect probably to be handing him the hardware next week, but I'm going to go with Robert Curtis Brown as the, the husband who gave that great performance early in the episode. And I do not have a late episode bias. I look at the entire episode before I hand out my oopsies. So I give mine to Robert Curtis Brown. So congratulations. I'm just going to let you keep talking because uh, it's really, I don't even need to to tease you. You're doing it by yourself. I quit. Uh, We're not getting paid. Can't quit. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Oh, God. I guess you can furlough yourself, but. (laughs) Yeah, right. I'm trying to get a mortgage. I can't furlough anything. Mm. Uh, (laughs) All right. And speaking of things we're not furloughing. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the show. Honorable mention shout out to Kelly Williams this week. I thought she played, you know, acting as we talk about sometimes, Keith, is is a two-way street. It's not just about shooting out your acting, but also how you listen, how you receive, how you yeah. react. And Kelly yeah. Williams gave a masterclass in that this week. But I'm going to give my best actor because I, I'm going to just go quickly before you fully pass out on me. <laughs> Bobby Donnell played by Dylan McDermott. I thought he was great. There was some weird editing around his tears, but those tears were there, but he was really focused. Uh, Look, the script gave him some weird, like, mental breakdowns that shot from, like, rational to Mm -hmm. irrational very quickly, but they, none of those seemed like they were on him. He wasn't schmacting or eating the scenery. He was, he was doing what he had to do with what he was given, and I think he did so with aplomb. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. Like he had to do that weird Freudian slip and play that as a real thing, and he did a really good job with that. I and so like I I don't think it was it was a little heavy handed in the writing, but he did not do heavy handed with the acting. Uh, so I completely agree. Congratulations, Dylan McDermott, for your fake award. Coming up next, the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. First, we will quickly show you up on the screen now, last week's Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady, which was uh, caught in the web. Caught in the web, Tom Brady. Damn, that's funny, Keith. Well done, buddy. (laughs) You haven't seen it yet. And we're back. Uh, You've never let me down. Uh, This week, I think it stands to reason that uh, we decapitate Tom Brady, we take his head, and we stick it on a creepy mannequin with no arms for creepy mannequin with no arms Tom Brady. Creepy no arms mannequin Tom Brady. I like it. I like it. I feel like I could accomplish that. Yeah, I feel like that's easy. We are burning through today. We are burning through. Because you can tell I'm dying. I'm dying. It's. (laughs) Well, we do know from uh, unnecessary 
exposition on our own podcast that at least you have a very fresh, fresh direct delivery today that you can get to and cook up some lunch. I sure do and sure will. Okay, we only have one more thing to do. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. Look, it's great, man. It is a great episode. Weird. Uh, interesting. <laughs> I'm more interested about the next episode. Uh, the right, setup for right. where Helen's or Eleanor's case is going to go is more interesting to me. I thought Bobby's character, we got a lot of good backstory. Mm-hmm. It was a little heavy handed at, at times, as you mentioned, both him and Helen's sort of PTSD for various things kind of clouded the coherence. But overall, I thought really well, uh, really, really good. And I think that I want to go with, I'm going to say seven spare tires. Liked it, didn't love it, but looking forward to the next one. So seven spare tires is what I have to say. Okay. Well, I'm glad you gave yourself the one shot for just that last 10 seconds. It's, I'm just you're, trying something new. You're, you're covering me uh, fixing my Advil cam. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, I I agree. I, I certainly am intrigued about next episode more than I am into this episode. I really like the character beats, though. Um, even though it was ground that we've we've done before with both Bobby and Helen's history with this, I liked the uh, the further explana- explanation, the, the going further, bringing Bobby's father into it. Um, I feel like hopefully we're building up to a scene between Bobby and his father talking about that incident because... Certainly, uh, what Bobby had to go through at 15, pulling the plug on his mother because his father wasn't able to do it, is a seminal life event Mm. for anybody. Um, So I'm really curious to see the confrontation between he and his father about that, who he ostensibly has a good relationship with. I would really like to see that play out um, because they're, you know, they're both really good actors and I think there's a fascinating scene there. Um... You know, Eleanor's case, we sort of did uh, like Law and Order, Eleanor tracking down the information, um, tracking down the rape kit, which I found interesting. I like the complexity of the the multiple uh, locations and that kind of stuff. I like you're putting it together. Um, so I think, you know, all in all, I think I'm going to give it a 7.4. Because you know, I I I want I want there to be some tiebreakers. So I liked it a little more than you did. I'm going to give it a seven point four to your seven, which averages out to a seven point two. Okay, seven point two tires. All right. Well, folks, <laughs> I meant to hit the playout, but I blotted ourselves. Yeah, you know what? We deserved it. We got here. We got to the end. We do. We got to the end of season four, episode 18 of The Practice. Please reach out to us on Instagram and Facebook at Out of Practice. Send us an email at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. Check out our blog, outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com. And do us a favor. 
Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and you will join the jury and help us find more listeners, which we definitely appreciate. And uh, Michael, tell you how to give us money. As always, you can donate to the show in one of two ways, a one-time donation or a monthly contribution. You can find the appropriate links to do so in our show notes. We'd like to thank all of our current and future sponsors for helping us keep the show going. We're having a lot of fun and we're glad you can be along for the ride. And also a thank you to everyone who engages with us on the social media that Keith works really hard on. So please go ahead and check it out. You can also support the show by leaving a review, as Keith just mentioned, but also by recommending the show to a friend who might enjoy our nonsense or checking out the practice. Now, Keith, I need you to do me another favor this week. Yeah. Say a prayer over me. Assure me that I've had a good run and led a good life. Have the nurses leave the room. Ask your dad's permission, then pull that plug, and for good measure, finish me off with some laser sounds. Laser sounds.